hard sometimes to come in really kind of slow yourself down and get ready to hear from the Lord, isn't it? You know, you, you come here and you have a lot of things that you've been involved with. And so it's great to come and to sing these songs and to really focus on God who loves us so much. So thank you for having me. Well, for those who were here last week, um, I talked uh, about where our treasures are, what, what we're doing um, with our lives, and how we may be impacting other people for eternity. And uh, some of what I'm going to share today is from an article that I wrote for Bethel Matters this past, uh, or this month. And uh, a big part of that is because a lot of the things that have been going on have been really heavy on my heart in terms of the pain and the hurt and the suffering that is all around us. There are people who uh, just can't deal with life. It is so difficult. There are so many obstacles and things that are going on. Uh, one of the things that really has been in the forefront, of course, has been the killing of students in the schools. And last month I had written about a couple of students killed, and then this past a couple of weeks ago we had another 17. All around us there are people who are being murdered. One of the sad things is reading an article recently about the number of suicides that are taking place all around us. We read the articles in the paper, and we kind of uh, read between the lines as you read some of those, and you see that people are discouraged. People are hurting. People don't know what to do with themselves. They don't know where to go. They don't know where to turn. Um, one of the things that I think about when I read these articles is something that kind of gives me a sense of flashback to the things that uh, I saw when I was out in the police department. There was the devastation that we certainly just had in Florida, but uh, murders and suicides that I responded to reading in the notes that have been left behind by the person who committed suicide, and just knowing and recognizing that they didn't know what to do with their lives. They didn't know where to turn, where to get help. They felt useless and helpless. Felt like they had no hope in this world. And so, one of the things that I want us to do today is try to figure out and get a sense into what that's all about. And so, one of the things as I was thinking about this that, that I really started thinking about is what is the the world's response to all of this? If you if you've been following along with, with things recently, you recognize that the world's response that and this is coming from people who uh, that everybody else listens to. It's the world view. Uh, is let's find a simplistic solution to the problem. Let, let's go and let's go and figure this out, and, and we'll we'll fix it. We'll we'll do this, or we'll do that. We'll 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 try to we'll try to center our attention on something here that we can point out. If we fix this one thing we will have the whole problem taken care of. And, and isn't that really the perspective? Isn't that really where, where people often come from? 
when it comes to these things, they're looking for the simplistic answers. <coughs> People who have influence oftentimes they'll point fingers, you know. Uh, you, you've seen recently with the, uh, uh, the, the murders done in Florida, uh, you know, the police failed and the FBI failed and these people failed and those people failed and everybody failed. And if you look around you, you'll see people who failed. Uh, organizations and, and uh, people who are trying to help do fail. But you know what, what we need instead of pointing fingers, we need to start looking for what is the real answer? Where, where do we find what's really going on? And in order to do that, we really have to go to God's Word. We have to go to the Bible. In the Bible, we see the root of all of this, of all of these issues, is the sinfulness in the heart of mankind. We're all sinful. We all fall short of the glory of God. And, and if we look elsewhere, we're in trouble. We have to begin with ourselves. We have to look within to determine what it is that is causing the problems. I don't have the back one on, so I can't tell if I'm looking here or not. So, um, world views on all of these things can lead us into a place that cause us to point fingers. What we need to do is look inside. We need to look at ourselves. The simple answers and the moral decay that we have oftentimes cause us to look elsewhere. This week uh, I just read an article by Frank and Graham. Uh, I was looking at Facebook and I came across this and when I first read it I was actually and it takes a lot to do this. I was actually shocked when I read this. I couldn't believe what I was reading. But this is what uh, Billy Graham says, or uh, Franklin Graham, I'm sorry, what Franklin Graham says. He said, why would Facebook ask such a question? They surveyed users asking if pedophiles should be able to ask children for sexual Yeah, let that He goes on, he says, it just shows you how low our moral standards in this country have fallen. Many people today don't seem to recognize right from wrong. He says, I'm sure Mark Zuckerberg and his wife Priscilla Chan were appalled. Facebook now says the question was a mistake. Well, to say the least, I firmly agree, Graham says. There's a survey asking this is ridiculous and is shameful. Pedophilia is just wickedness. Think about that. Think about how far that we have fallen that on the social media somebody would ask such a horrific question and make it feel like this is just a normal thing that we're asking. Our moral standards in this country and this world have plummeted so far that it's unbelievable for most of us. 
We hear from the world, and those that, what I'm talking about with the world, is people who have influence in the world, who are in social media, or on TV, or uh, movies, or wherever else it might be. Talking about how we as people have, are evolving into better people. We're improving as a people. And they lose sight of the fact that we have evil within us. It is all around us. The Bible says that in Mark 7, 21, for from within, out of the heart of men, come evil lies. You ever, you ever stop when, when you're having a thought about something and maybe you're angry about somebody or you're, you're frustrated about something or whatever might be going on and you ever stop and think, where did that thought come from? You, am I the only one that ever has that? You know, like, how did I think that? That was just, that was terrible. Where did that come from? It comes from the heart. It comes from within us, according to the scripture. Today I want us to go back and look at the root. Let's go back and see where, where and how this all started. Which is, so turn with me. We're going to go to the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 4. And uh, you're using one of the few Bibles that's on page 4 of your Bible. But we're going to go back and we're going to look at the story, just part of the story of Cain and Abel. And one of the things, whenever you all know that I read through the Bible every year. Whenever I start out and I read and I get, you know, I read chapter one and I read chapter two and I read chapter three, you know, and it's, it's all kind of going along, it's kind of cool. And, and then you get to chapter four and you say, what? Wait a second. This is, this is right at the beginning. The man and woman that God created have two sons who do this. And it's amazing to so beginning in verse 6, I want to read for us. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry and why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. It desires, I mean, so its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. I'll stop there for just a second. So we, we look and we listen here. So sin is crouching at our door, door of our heart. Think about that. So when I'm having even a great day, things are going along really well, and all of a sudden I get this thought or this idea, I need to stop and think to myself, where does that come from? How is this coming about? It's coming from the heart. It comes from the very heart. If you go back and you look at verses 4 and 5 here, it's talking about having brought to the Lord not. And Abel brought the firstborn of his flock and the five fat portions, and the Lord regarded his offering well. And then Cain brought offering 
that was from the fields, and he had no, God had no regard for that. He, he didn't care about those. And so Cain got angry. We're not told why that is. You know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be a, a easier, I guess, in a sense, if if you could read that and you say, well, why was, why would God not accept this offering? It's an offering. And I started doing some research to try to, you know, kind of figure out a little bit of what that was all about. And I, I really started digging into it. And the more I dug into it, the more I could see why almost every one of the commentaries that I looked at said, we're not given an answer, and it's a point of real contention within the Christian church. Because we don't know, we're not given the real reason. You've got a sense, you can kind of read between the lines that it has a lot to do with an attitude or hard attitude and a hard spirit toward God, that God cared for one over the other. But look what God did with it. That's, that's the key here. What did God do about that? God himself came and he spoke with Cain. He says, Cain, this is my paraphrase, chill a little bit. Cool down. If you do what's right, it's going to be acceptable. It's going to be okay. But if you continue on this path of anger, Satan, sin is crouching at your door, the door of your heart. He wants to take you and have control of you. That's what that's saying. Your whole life can be taken over by that evil if you keep that door open to that. God is telling him, Cain, close the door on Satan. Don't listen to him. As I was thinking about all of this, I, I had to go back and go with me if you want, just go back to chapter 3. You know, at the end of chapter 2, after God had created all of these things, including men and women, he said it's very good. So, so the people that God created were very good. But then, in the beginning of chapter 3, Along comes Satan. Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God actually say, You shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Did God really say that? Uh, that question, that same question asked of Eve in the garden is the same question that is being asked today. Satan may shroud it in a different color, a different way, but that's the same question. Can you really rely on God? Is God's word true and reliable? That's what he's saying. And, of course, we know that Adam and Eve gave in. And thus came sin into the world and into people. And then we have what happened with Cain and Abel. 
We know that Cain then took his brother out and killed him. Is it fair to say that today the temptation is still at the door of our lives? That the temptation to sin, to do wrong, to do evil, to walk away from God is still there at the door of our hearts, waiting to take over our lives. And, and that's why people all around us are discouraged. That's why people are angry. That's why people give up and they decide to commit suicide or, or to go in a different direction. Because they've been listening to the world view, which is saying, did God really say that? Is there really a God? Is the Bible really the Word of God? Can you really believe this? Aren't we just evolving out of nothing? That's what the world is saying. And if, if you're listening to the world, why wouldn't you get discouraged? Why wouldn't you just give up? Because if that's all there is, if all we have is what we see and feel around us, there isn't much hope, is there? But God's Word does give us an answer right there. It says, you must master it. But where did he tell him to master it? When it was approaching at the door of his heart. Right? What, what he's saying there is when when you start to get tempted, okay, when, when, when you're kind of getting caught up in, in your anger, your frustration, and your feelings, when you're, when you're feeling this in your heart, take control of it now before it becomes full of sin. Again, where does this all come from? Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? If, you, if you're here today, you can understand the heart, the mind, the way we function as people. I want to go and sit down. I want you to come up here and explain about all of this. Because the heart is deceitful of all things, is it? When Jeremiah says that, all we have to do is look, and we can see it, feel it. It's almost palpable around us, isn't it? When I think of um, what people have done to others and do to themselves, As I said earlier, it brings back memories for me in my law enforcement days. And you would go and you would handle some of these things, and you would, you know, you're one of the things that often happen. I always used to share the fact I used to teach this at the police academy when I was, you know, is 
that are are, are training our, our brains as a police officer take over, and you just go about doing your investigation. You, you almost, you have somebody there, Wally, you, you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. You, you have somebody there who was either a victim or, or was committed suicide, whatever it is, and, and you just go about your job. But then, later, and maybe days later, maybe weeks later, well, maybe years later, all of a sudden you're you're someplace and, and all of a sudden you're seeing that person getting there. And all of a sudden you start to realize that there was so much more involved there. Yeah, I, I can tell you all the details of the crime, but I don't know what was going on in that person's heart that brought this thing I, I, I don't know what was going on that created this and attitude that they would take this drastic action and do this behavior because the heart is deceitful above all things. In Genesis 1.27 says that God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created a male and female. He, created he said it was very good. But man is confronted with an opportunity to sin Satan as the great dragon, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan. He's the deceiver of the world. He loves nothing better than have us to be deceived and to believe in something that is not true. That, that there is no hope. That there is nothing that we can believe anywhere around us. Why not just give up? The deceiver today is using the exact same technique, the same words. He just does a little bit of a twist on it. He wants you to believe that in the end he wins. He wants you to believe that you have no hope. That's a lie. He's asking that same question, did God really say? But he does it in different ways now. But it's the same question, isn't it? Is the Bible true? Is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible something that I can really have a hope and a promise in? And I'm here to tell you today that it is. Would you turn to uh, with me to, well, just a second, let me just Read to you instead, real quickly. Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are 
weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. People all around us, you and I interact with people all the time who are carrying this burden, this heavy load on their shoulders. And it's called guilt. We feel guilty about something that we said or something we did. We, we feel guilty because we had a thought that came into our minds and, and, and we feel guilty because of whatever it may be that we've been dealing with. We, we feel that guilt and we feel like there's no hope. Where can I go? Who can I go to? Who can help me carry this because I can't handle it anymore? And we have this promise that Jesus will take our load and he will carry it for us. And what a promise and a hope that is. You see, we, we all try to help carry the, 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 the cross, don't we? We, we kind of want to carry the cross to other people and it's, it's a heavy load because on that cross is all the filth and dirt and crummy things that were poured out on Jesus. As he hung there taking your sins and mine upon himself. Because of his tremendous love for us. And so, when we try to carry our own burden of guilt, it's too heavy. It's discouraging. It's hurtful. And that's why people give up. That's why people decide, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep going. But Jesus says, give it to him instead. Yeah, you're right. You can't carry it anymore. You have no hope. You can't, you can't do this on your own. So Jesus says, give it to me. I'll carry your burden. I will take care of it for you. Just give it to me. But all too often we're a little too stubborn and we don't want to do that. Right? So we try to carry it ourselves and we get discouraged and we get frustrated and we get angry. We struggle and fight. Now what do you turn with me to? 1 John chapter 5. Here I want to just go through a couple of things that might help us to recognize what things that we can do. So I'm going to begin in verse 1 of chapter 5 of 1 John. I just want you to kind of listen to the hope that's here. Beginning verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not perfect. 
For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ born of God, they become when you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you become a Christian. As a Christian, we have a blessed hope, a blessed promise, and that promise is eternal life spent with God in heaven because I carry my heavy load, right? Because I do all of this stuff, right? No, why? Why do I have that blessed hope? Because of the finished work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. When Jesus Christ did for you and for me when he died on that cross is he has made for us a hope and a promise that far exceeds any discouragement, pain, or suffering that we have here in this world. God has provided us with a sure promise and hope spend eternity in heaven with him. We demonstrate our love according to these verses. Our demonstrate our love for God by loving his children, other Christians. Now, this is one, one set of scriptures. There's others that would tell us we also need to love others outside of the church. We need to, to make sure that we're ministering and helping people in need outside of the church, and I totally agree with that. But one of the things that we also have to do is love one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. And that means that we're willing to come alongside and encourage and bless and uplift and help to listen to try to, to help people through discouraging times and things that they're dealing with. It's a good thing to have brothers and sisters who can come alongside and encourage and bless us. We're born of God who will overcome the world and world views. One of the things that I find very interesting is having a conversation with fellow Christians and to hear worldviews come spewing out. Because they've been listening to something that isn't true. They've been listening to the world instead of listening to what God's word is like. We need to make sure where our theology comes from. We need to make sure that we are on the right track. And it says the thing that overcomes the world is our faith. When I read that this week, as I was thinking through this a little bit this week, I was thinking, my faith, your faith, can overcome the world. And it's talking about the world views. It's talking about how, how, how evil is in the world. We can overcome that. How do we do that? We, get, we can do that by having faith, enough faith to be able to speak out at the right time to people who desperately, desperately need to hear about Jesus Christ and His saving grace. Our faith lived out in daily life will impact other people and help overcome worldviews. The only ones 
who overcome the world, according to the scripture, are those who are believers, that they believe that Jesus is the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you believe that Jesus is Our world, people around us, don't even believe there is a God, let alone believe that Jesus Christ is God. Our Bibles, if we're in our in the Word of God, we understand that there is a God. And he is the Creator. And Jesus Christ was with God in the beginning, creating the world. Many of you have been sitting here today with things up blocking the sun because the sun is coming through. People in the world would believe that that sun just happens to be there. It was, it was just kind of something that, it, that came into existence. But when I was leaving home this morning, it was minus three degrees. I look forward to when that sun comes up and warms us up a little bit. God is an awesome God. He created the heavens and the earth. He created us. <clears throat> He's given us victory through Jesus Christ. What, what, what should we be doing about this? Well, turn with me quickly. Most of you know these verses, but I want to just look real quickly at Ephesians chapter 6. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We're just going to read the verses real quick, but Paul on page 1163 in the Bible, it's Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Most of you know these verses, putting on the full armor of God. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes of the devil are what? To tell us there is no God, to try to discourage us, to try to, to get us to... to Doubt and not believe to say, did God really say? That, that's what the deceiver wants us to do. In verse 12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, because of all of that, and you all know this, the, the phrase, Whenever you see a therefore, you ask yourself the question, what is the therefore, therefore? Okay? The therefore is, because of all of that, therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. The evil one wants to throw darts at you to discourage you, to cause you to doubt, to cause you to wonder, to cause you to turn away from God. But the evil one cannot win if we take up the helmet, or, or the, uh, the breastplate and the helmet and the, and the others. To take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. In other words, don't just sit back and give up. Take action. And that action is to turn to God. To turn to God's 
word, turn to him in prayer, and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ on that cross. Because he has taken your sins in mind. He has given us a hope and a promise of eternal life spent with him in heaven. Don't give up. Don't turn away. Come alongside and bless people around you. Share with them the good news of a risen Savior who desperately, desperately is calling to you to come unto me. All you who are weary and heavenly. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth. I thank you for the hope and the promise that, Lord, we don't have to be those who are discouraged, who go around wondering, is there really a God? Did God really say, because we have your word, we have your word, we have your Holy Spirit living in us because of Jesus Christ. Because of that Holy Spirit, we can understand your word, and we have that hope, and we have that promise of eternal life spent with you. Help us, Lord, to be faithful men and women that share that faith with others in this lost and hurting world. We pray in